0: And so now I'd like to thank you again for joining us for a message from the pulpit of Hatchbend Apostolic Church.
1: Hallelujah. This month being November, hallelujah, I just want to have a couple things to happen to me and my wife and I just want to offer a couple thanksgivings to the Lord and as one thing that I've always said, you just try to, Everybody's different. I'm different. You're different. So I've just, I don't say I struggle, but you just get to the point where you want to know when to draw the line of how much to reveal of yourself behind this pulpit. So, um, and I don't think I'm revealing too much now, but what I do want to reveal to you is just a couple personal incidences that happened with me and my wife. And this has been in the past this was in the past we were sitting at our table along with some more people and um, was starting to eat and um, I was eating some meat and come to find out I had got choked and so trying to be the nice man I excused myself and went where they couldn't see me and my wife Um, I guess she proved she actually loved me and said, he's joking. (laughs) It was like, somebody do something. So, um, but what I wanted to say is when we get in those situations where we panic, it's hard to believe. God designed weeks ago for a lady to be sitting at our table that worked in a hospital that knew exactly what to do she just clicked grabbed me and I have only been put to sleep one time in my life and I've joked and they told me it's going to be fast and I'm talking and then finally I asked the people I said and I'm sure I said you know this is one for the books but I asked them I said who is dimming the lights and I went out but that's what was happening to me then I promise you the lights was going out with me. And so, and then when I came to, she was doing the Heimlich maneuver and I eventually got all right. And joking me, maybe I try to make light too much, but what I try to do is just in a very se- serious situation, try to find a humor. The rest of the visit, I referred to her as Sister Heimlich. But, but before she left, I told her, I said, you know, stuff that could turn out a whole lot different. God took weeks before and put this, and he ordered this for this lady to be sitting at my table when I would have died on the floor. And he just brought it to pass. And we thought it was just a normal weekend. And when she screamed, he's choking, somebody do something, God already had God said, I got this, I got this. And so, believe it or not, the second incident involved at the same table. The Bible says God lets angels encamp. And if you hadn't believed me yet, I believe they sit at the table where we sit. And if you don't believe me, you should believe me after this next one. We are sitting at the same table. And other than the Lord, whatever prompted my wife to get up and move, Other than the Lord, I don't know. I'm sitting, she's sitting over here. And I can raise my hand to heaven and say truly, and I'm thankful for this, I have never, ever, ever heard a bullet come through the wall. But I knew exactly what it was when it did. And I just screamed and told Joyce, somebody just put her round through the house. But what it done, it came in and landed where she was sitting. And she had just seconds before got up and moved. And to, to reassure you, this was an elderly gentleman and there was no malice. It was just a pure and simple accident. But it missed all the vehicles. It come in and the man has been so apologetic. He has come over and just literally cried about it. But it was just the fact that God just prompted her, get up and move. And all of a sudden, next thing I hear, (laughs) and I went outside and did a little screaming. As the saying goes, I lost my joy for a minute, but God just let us be took care of one more time, sitting at the same table that you might not want to come eat at. But he encamps around that table, I promise you. (laughs) Two times, I can prove it. (laughs) But I do want to offer a thanksgiving of thanks for what the God that we serve has done for us, for me and my wife and for my children that was there at the time. They could have been outside walking, anything. But what I'm saying is I am thankful that God takes care of us and so many times, them is just two times that I'm aware of. How many more that I'm not, I do not know. But I try to just, like I say, you just try to be careful how much to reveal. But I'm just telling you, I am thankful to what God did, and I appreciate it. Now, if you will turn with me to 1 Kings 17 what I just want to speak I want to speak a few minutes and I want to end with a video and you can relax it's not a motocross video Um, I want to speak and I'll just title it the word and what I want to do I want to go to 1st Kings 17 and I'll just read 1st Kings 17 and let me just read the first verse now this is speaking of Elijah I've spoke of him a lot I like this character because, regardless of the situation, that's why I believe that none of us should feel that the kingdom of God, and this is, you can have plus or minuses on this. We are not the kingdom of God, we are part of the kingdom of God. God raises up people to do his work in the kingdom. And when I feel that it all rests on my shoulders as far as the kingdom of God. I'm looking at this wrong. God always has somebody to raise up. And if I feel like, you know, if I can't die or if I can't leave this church and this church go on, buddy, I've become too puffed up. This church don't rest on me by no means, by no means. So here is Elijah. We know nothing of this man. The Bible gives us nothing of his history. It just tells us where he, where he lives at this time. We know nothing about his parents. He just shows up on the screen. Here God just seemingly plucks a man up and says, I got something for you to do. And this is what it says. And Elijah the Tishbite, who was of the inhabitants of Gilead, said unto Ahab, As the Lord God of Israel liveth before whom I stand, there shall not be dew nor reign these years, but according to my word. Now, the name Elijah means Jehovah is my God. Ahab and his loving wife worshiped Baal. The Bible says that they took, they did more harm, more than any when it comes um, before them. So Elijah, what he done, God anointed him with his authority and might. He went before the king. And you tell him, now, this is one was one of the consequences when they turned against God was drought. So he went before them, he took, and I like what God given the authority to do. You go tell the king that it's not Jehovah saying this. This is me, Elijah. You looking in the eyes of Elijah, because Jehovah's back at me. Elijah says there ain't gonna be dew nor rain. For three and a half years. So he's standing there. Now in this verse there's a phrase that says. As the Lord God of Israel liveth before whom I stand. Now this phrase was original with Elijah. It had not been said before. And when this phrase started. When he said this buddy. The game had changed. It was not thus saith the Lord. Elijah said, as the Lord God of Israel liveth. God was sick and tired of the idolatry of Israel and Judah. And he said, you go tell him that I am still alive. You are treating me as I was dead. But you go worship your idols and serve idolatry. And you tell him Jehovah and Yahweh is still alive before whom I stand, you are my servant, and you stand before me, and I've given you the authority to tell him, there will be dew nor rain for three and a half years, this is the authority, I'm telling you the game has changed, from this point God said, I'm, I'm drawing a line in the sand, it is me against your idolatry, you serve Baal, we are gonna see, you think Baal is to storm God as you give him a title, You will see just how much rain Baal can produce because I'm saying you're not even going to get any dew. So this is what he's telling him to do. Now, he's telling this formula. He says there's not going to be dew. The word of the Lord came to Elijah. He's telling him this. But this is what I'm saying. He gave him such a powerful statement and God backed him and he did it. But notice verse 2. And the word of the Lord came unto him saying, Now, ever how you think that was? I don't know how you think that was. Now, we, we say that without really thinking about it, or I do. And the word of the Lord came unto him saying, Now, just how do you think? And I'm not trying to stir nothing up. Just how do you think the word of the Lord came unto him? John says that the Bible tells us the word was always, always. God is the spirit. The word was the spoken spirit, basically. And that word, uh, Jesus, um, was the the, the, the body was made manifest. So we know, and then he tells him, after he makes this dramatic proclamation of God, he tells him in verse 3, Get thee hence and turn eastward and hide thyself by the brook Cherith that is before Jordan. Now I'm telling you, he had to be the man when it became of God to do this. You go to the king, you state the fact that Jehovah is with you, I have given you the authority to do this, now you go hide. You're kidding. No, no. <laughs> I want to go walk the streets and say, it was me, buddy. <laughs> it was me that told the king. And God said, no. I'm telling you. We live in a world where we know there is evil. God said, you have just made two of the evil, most evil idolaters mad in the world and they are going to be sought on killing you. And I do mean killing you. So now what you need to do is go Hide. Now, what do you think that, and just pardon me here, but what do you think that meant to his manhood? I don't know. But all I know, the Bible says the word came to him, and he says, now it's time for you to go hide, and he did. God said he went. And verse 4, and it shall be, when thou shalt drink of the brook, thou shalt drink of the brook, for I have commanded the ravens to feed thee there. Verse 5, and he went... Ad- and did according unto the word of the Lord. Now, here again, I say, ever how that may be, we take the written word of God and read it. Now, ever how God manifest himself to Elijah, I believe it was as clear as if you hear my voice right now. I'm telling you, I believe it. You can believe whatever you believe. The Bible says the word of the Lord came unto him, and he did it. He had to hear, whether it was with this ear or this ear, he had to be able to understand it. The word came to him. He heard it. He understood it. And he obeyed it. So he went to the brook, and he went and uh, dwelt by the brook, cherished that is before Jordan. And the ravens bought him bread and flesh in the morning and bread and flesh in the evening, and he drank of the brook. Now, he said it was time to hide. He went. They're going to destroy you. But he takes, and God said, what I'm gonna do is I'm gonna give you a bird, the raven, which are scavengers. Here again, you're still dealing with a man. Couldn't you take an eagle and feed me? Must you take a scavenger to feed me? And when I read of the raven, that they even neglect their own young. you talking about a bird that is truly violent, But this bird is. They won't even feed their young. They have their young, abandon their young, and will not even feed them. And they hoard to themselves. But notice the verse and what I want you to make mention. And while I'm reading all of that, this is what I want to leave with you. It's in verse 4. And it's the last phrase. I have commanded the ravens to feed thee there. If you want to be sustained, Elijah, you will go to the brook for it is there. There. Now, it doesn't matter what experience we get in and how much God touches us. When it is time for God to move us, if we don't move when God says to move, Elijah was mighty used of God. But God said, if you want to be nourished, don't fuss about the food that I'm bringing to you. And don't fuss about the bird because they bring bringing you rolls and ribeye every time twice a day. So you will be fed. It will be by uh, this, uh, this bird that is a scavenger. But the reason they are doing it is simple. I have commanded it. That is why they're doing it. And if you want to be nourished, you will be by the brook. Because that is where I have commanded them to drop the food. Now, this is me. I believe that God commanded it. And if Elijah says, you know what? I believe I'll go somewhere else. I believe the ravens would have still brought the food and dropped it there, even though it is not in their nature because they had been commanded to do so. It would have been Elijah that had transgressed, not the bird that didn't understand what he was doing. God said, you go there and you do it. If you want to be nourished, it will be. And Elijah, he didn't say, look what i done. Look what you commanded me to do and I did it. God said if you want to be nourished. If you want to be nourished. Don't grumble about what I'm bringing you. What is bringing you. And it's bringing you twice today. For it is there. That I have commanded the ravens to feed thee there. That's where they're doing it. Now. Go with me. To the book of Deuteronomy. We hear this verse. Quoted a lot. I just want to touch on it. 19, Deuteronomy 19 and 14. The Bible says it like this. Thou shalt not remove thy neighbor's landmark, which they of old time have set in thine inheritance, which thou shalt inherit in the land, which the Lord thy God giveth thee to possess it. Now, there was actually a curse put on you, according to the Bible, if you removed a landmark. And there were some people other than Israel, in fact, I don't know how many, Rome was one of them, that if you moved a landmark, they was actually, it was on the books, as we would say, to give you the death penalty. They valued it so sacred, the landmarks. Now, if you took, and this is what, we quote this a lot, but this is what intrigues me about it when you look at it. It's thou shalt not remove thy neighbor's, thy neighbor's landmark. It didn't say your landmark to start with. Your neighbor's landmark. Which they of old time has set in thine inheritance, which thou shalt inherit in the land thy God giveth thee to possess it. Here's my point. This is Old Testament. This is when, if you want it, which we have a word for it today in this last statement, which the Lord thy God giveth thee to possess it, it is yours for the taking. And that is literally what this verse means. God said, I have given you this. But you must possess it. God had promised this all the way back to Abraham. I will give you this land. And Israel could have said all the time, God promised us this. This land is ours. That would have been the truth. But if they stopped there, then they would have cried all the time and would have died with a partial truth. But God said, The land is yours if you go in and possess it. You must possess it. And that's the only way that you will obtain this land that God has given you is to possess it. Don't remove the landmark, the landmark is sacred. Do not remove it because God said, It's your inheritance. That I have given you. But if you want that inheritance. I hate to use this word in this day. But you will have to fight for it. That is Bible according in this time. Now let's go with me over to Matthew. And I want to read one verse in Matthew. I believe speaking of that. Like I said that is Old Testament. I just look at this as the New Testament equivalent of that verse. Matthew 11 and verse 12. From the days of John the Baptist until now, the kingdom of heaven suffereth violence and the violent take it by force. You can't play with this. That's why They can, uh, and I'm not, and and don't judge me wrong, I'm not saying you got to get here and and run the pews and and walk the seats and swing from the chandeliers. As I said, that's not what I mean, none whatsoever. But I'm telling you, we battle an enemy like it's never been seen before. And it's not where you just patty kick your way through this. And the violent, take it by force, violent is only used one time, and that's right here. God said, if you want this, you will press your way into it. It is not something that you just come in and repeat after me and now you're a Christian and you're going to live happy all the days of your life. I'm sorry, but it ain't happening. God said, the kingdom of heaven suffereth violence. In other words, the enemy is going to attack. That's why God don't care if you come in and say, I want to be this, speak in tongues, and then I'll just sit on a seat the rest of all the days of my life. The devil don't care. He's got you just where he wants you. If you get up and you attack him, then you got to work. You got to press. We get satisfied within our flesh. The flesh is what we have to fight. And this is what we have to do. Because that is why John, in his writings here, in this passage where it was wrote that the angel, is, he's the one that told Zechariah the priest at this time, he says, Uh, he told him what was gonna happen to John. Go tell your wife Elizabeth that your son is gonna go through in the power, in the spirit, in the power of Elijah. It's just why I said, at any given time, God is gonna have a man. And at this time, it was John the Baptist, the forerunner of Jesus Christ. And son, you didn't look at him wrong without him saying something to you. He spoke and he spoke plain. And then when he doubted, and he says within himself, is it really you God or should we look for another? And that's what Jesus is answering this question in this passage right now. And he said, look, don't... And and then I would add this, Don't don't criticize John for being weak at a moment, wondering if I'm the one. He's just like everybody else. And the Bible even speaks of Elijah. He's a man just like you with passions. But the Bible spoke. And literally when God said, James told us even, when Elijah went before the king, it was because literally of his what? His prayer that he made. That's what James told us. So he said, now the kingdom of heaven suffered violent and the violent, take it. By force. I believe that is the New Testament equivalent. What he says. Do not remove your neighbor's landmark. I've given you this inheritance. And it's yours. If it's yours for the taking. You must possess it. God as preachers has preached to us. All our life, we have so many great and precious promises and we yawn and go home. But I'm telling you, I'm not, I'm not blasting you. I'm blasting me. I am too much withdrawn within myself. I admit that. But I have to fight it. I have to press in because the kingdom of heaven is here and I have to press through this flesh and I have to work because I have to do it. And God is saying we have to do this, we have to do this now one more passage and last Sunday, Brother Boyd quoted this John 3, okay the Bible, uh, St. John 3 the Bible says, there was a man it was a Pharisee one of the 70 of this tribe or, or people, not tribe, people of the Pharisee, the Sanhedrin he comes, Nicodemus he come to Jesus by night and literally Verse 3, I don't know if the Lord just, I don't know. I can't figure it out. In my way of thinking, the Lord says, look, you're one of the 70. You're a ruler in Jerusalem, and you come to me by night and start asking me questions. Buddy, there ain't no chit-chat. We're going straight to it. We ain't going to just, Hi, how you doing, how's the night? You know, it's, it's about 45, and there ain't none of that. Jesus hit him right between the eyes. And he said, three. Jesus answered unto him, Look, Nicodemus comes in, and I don't know what his purpose was, but God just nails it down right from the very beginning. He just tells him, Verily I say unto thee, Except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Now, I'm sorry, this is just one of the things I think about. And this is it. And I'm not saying this, as a doubting way. I'm, I'm just telling you this. But I don't know if you've ever thought about it. But I have. But as far as I can tell. And I'm not saying I'm right on this. But as far as I can tell. Jesus only looked at Nicodemus as a man. He is the only one person in scripture. That he told you must be born again. As far as I can tell. One person, one person. And how many times have we heard it preached? I don't care if he had told no one. If it's in this word, that's good enough for me. But that's why I'm saying he hit Nicodemus right between the eyes. He said, if you're not born of the water and of the spirit, you can't see it and you're not going to enter it. So they ain't no getting around it. And I've heard people that just said, you know, well, they're all over the map with that. They're all over the map. There's, this is the way you're born of the water. This is the way you're born of the Spirit. No, I, I, I'm just not going for that. And I'm, I, and I'm saying, it doesn't matter if Jesus only looked at one person and said, you must be born again. That is the word speaking. And he spoke. And it was the word of God that spoke, and he spoke to him, and literally, and in verse, and and I'll skip some, and he spoke, and he said in verse 8, the wind bloweth where it listeth. Now, look with me if they would put eight on the screen. Okay, look at that word wind, and look at that word spirit. That is the same word, the Spirit of God. He has given this as, we think this is basically uh, all natural. It's not. Jesus is using this as a natural to us, but it's not in a natural sense 100%. We think he's talking about the natural wind. He's not. The, the wind, the Spirit of God, blow it where it's listness. Litheness is my will. My Spirit, blow it where it, I will it to go. And then it says, And thou hearest the sound thereof and cannot tell whence it cometh or where it goeth. Some would say they look at that verse and say, Well, that's what it means to be born of the Spirit. You can't guide it. You don't know what it's doing. It's all over the place. No, that is not what God means. He said, This spirit of mine, I have control over it. It moves where I will it to go. And. Just as though you cannot see the wind, you feel the effect, and you see the effect, and you would be—I'll uh, um, leave that alone—but you will be foolish to think the wind did not exist just because you can't see it. That was what I believe God was relating to when he gave us this verse. So is everyone that is born of the Spirit. Just because we can't see it or the wind is a mystery to us and we can't explain it, I think, well, you know, I don't want no part of that. To start with, you're speaking of the Spirit, the Holy Ghost. Be very, very careful when you're speaking against that. Now, he's telling us The wind will blow where I will it to blow. And you can feel it. You can see the effects of it. So is everyone that is born of the Spirit. Just because I don't understand the technology, all that involves the wind, and we never will, I know it is real. We have hurricanes that come through here. Just go out in a hundred mile an hour wind and say, this ain't real. (laughs) When somebody peels you off a tree and, and if you're not dead, you will have a change of heart. And when somebody is anointed of the Holy Ghost and speaks through the utterance of the Holy Ghost, they'll never say, this is not real. God touches us. He truly does. Now, our world, especially since what happened this past week, we live in a world that has went for a long time. There's been where now there's just no absolutes. Nothing is sacred to the point of this last week. People's even, you hear radios, just even your prayer offends me. Don't even say you're praying for me. Um, And to be the term that's been around now for years, to be politically correct, you know, to say everybody has their right and everyone has a right to free speech has just went to a degree like we thought we would never see. Nothing, nothing is sacred um nothing and i mean that in a sad way um go as far as you want do what you want to do but do not restrict me in any way you need you need order um i'll make one more uh reference when the we had the accident with the the the, the shot um i found out which really was a blessing to our county uh, with the sheriff's department. You call them and tell them that somebody just put a round through your house, you will have a yard full of deputies in no time. They take it very, very serious. So you you need structure and you need order. And you cannot have where everybody just does that which was right in their own eyes. And you need, and what some would say, and going back to the Old Testament, do not remove thy neighbor's landmark. What some would say is, and now moving to our time and liken that to our day. What some would say, I'm removing the boundary. I'm widening my horizon What we are really doing is we are taking away from them that are closest to us. We are harming them. We are doing them an injustice like we thought we never would. And a true Christian, a true child of God, when others look down and say, I see a restriction, there is the boundary, and I see a restriction. The one that knows this Bible says, no, I see an inheritance. That is my inheritance that I'm looking at. God said he has given that to me. That is my possession. God gave that to me. You see a hindrance. But I see an inheritance. It is mine and God gave it to me. It is mine for the possession. For taking it. So regardless where our country will go. I don't know, but this I do know is God is God, and that won't change. And he just as Elijah stood and told him when God got so tired of their idolatry. One more mention I'll make of that, and I'll you know I'll just make mention of it. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. Paul told us in Philippians that every knee should bow and every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord, and this is what seals the deal for me, to the glory of God the Father. Now, the only way for that to happen... As God told us throughout the Old Testament, there's no other gods beside me. I know not any. And I will not give my glory to another. So John told us that this word took on flesh and dwelt among us. And he said, and my glory I will not give to another. So he takes and said, to the glory of God the Father. Don't judge me harsh here. But God said, every human that has breathed a breath of life will confess that I robed myself in flesh. No matter what they teach, how many idols they have said existed, it doesn't matter. They will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. They will, they will tell that I am the one that rode myself in flesh. And that is how my glory will be returned to me. He did it. Now, I thank you for your time. What I want to do is I have a video I want to show. I just want to thank our veterans for what they've done, for what they mean to us, um. And that's one reason why I wanted to say what I done I just I appreciate a country where we can live and feel safe it's just there's just so much evil there's evil right here in America and I just thank God for the military for what we have and I don't know how you look at it what your view is but i'm telling you in no uncertain terms and don't get mad at me but we must protect ourselves whatever that means and if somebody's breaking in your house to do you harm and i'll just leave that there but i'm telling you we must protect ourselves we must have a military that stands with us, that has America's best interest at heart, not some other country. And I say, I don't care where you come from, and I mean that. We are Americans. We are Americans. They, and what the people has done to our flag and the way they treat it, it is just unbelievable. And the end of that, and and what this is, it the laugh. Ha- it, it's a little bit lengthy video. It's 11 and a half minutes, and it's, it tells the story of the flag. But I just wanted to say thank you, thank you, thank you to the veterans for what you've done. And this is a saying that I adopted a long, long time ago. Just never forget, God and not time is the healer of the broken. I refuse as much as I am fascinated with time. Time does not heal our wounds but God will. So I thank you, veterans, for your service, for what you've done. I appreciate it. And I just ask you to just take a moment and enjoy this video. And God bless you, and God bless America.
0: This message has been brought to you today by the Media Ministry of Hatchbend Apostolic Church.